Hello everyone, it's Erica back with a new episode of Unapologetic. Today I'm accompanied by an empowering and brave female who has launched her own personal brand, operates two successful e-commerce businesses, and calls the world her office. This amazing individual is Kat Gaskin. Kat, thanks for joining us. How are you today? Hey Erica, I'm lovely. Thank you so much for having me and I'm excited to chat today. Perfect. So Kat is a graphic designer, entrepreneur, and founder of The Content Planner. And today we're just gonna start off, she's going to tell us a little bit more about herself and her journey with her career, just so everyone can get to know a little bit about her. So Kat, why don't you go ahead? Great. Hi everyone, my name is Kat Gaskin. As Erica said, I'm the founder of The Content Planner, which is the first and only physical planner for your blog and social media content. My background is in graphic design. I'm based here in Toronto. And of course, when you're an entrepreneur or business owner, you're very location independent. So whether it's in Hawaii or Greece or Australia, I kind of built this lifestyle where I really enjoy having the freedom to work from wherever, whenever, however, for however long I want to. Obviously, that wasn't the case when I first first started. I have a background as I said, in graphic design. So my first job was a nine-to-five corporate job downtown here in Toronto for, of all places, the College of Physiotherapists, which, by the way, I have no prior experience in physiotherapy or anything related to that. But (laughs) when I graduated, I so badly wanted that corporate job and that security and that kind of 40-hour week, which, I mean, looking back now seems really crazy, but at the time, graduating from the university, it just seemed like the right choice to make. So I secured a full-time job and it wasn't soon after, I would say within the first two years of me working there in a cubicle, I started to get those little voices in your head that are like, why are you working here? You could be doing something so much better with your creativity. And Instagram and social media were also becoming very popular. So that for me was a moment that started this entire entrepreneurial journey so that was back in 2011 and then I started day one of Salty Pineapple which is my personal brand October 2012 so now it's 2020 I've been working for myself for eight years and the complete landscape of being a business owner and at the time even being a freelancer that's completely changed now eight years later but the thing that was still the same and I'm sure people listening to this now will feel is it was really scary It was probably one of the most terrifying things I've ever done to leave a full-time job where, you know, you're making a set salary of like $40,000 or $50,000 a year. And I quit my job and dove headfirst into Salty Pineapple. Uh, E-commerce was not even on my radar when I first started. I, I just thought and my goal was to work less and travel more. So I decided to get into graphic design, work with different corporate clients, and be very, very service-based. Sooner than later, that also got tiring, and those little voices came back, and they're like, why are you still now working for other people, except now it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and that was about four years into my journey, so, or three, four years, so around 2015, I really decided that, okay, I kind of want a product or some sort of business model where I can, you know, go to sleep and wake up and know that I've made money. 
because when you're service-based, you don't really make any money unless you're, you know, sitting in front of a computer or you're consulting or you're coaching or you're actively working inside of your business. And so from 2012 to 2015, I was doing all service-based and then I transitioned and made the leap into a product-based business. And that's when the content planner happened, which even now is still such a huge, it's just been such a whirlwind growing the business all my own. I'm completely self-funded. I started out with an initial investment of $5,000, bought my first round of planners. And fast forward to today, four years later, the planner has sold out every single year in a row and I'm on track to pass a half a million dollars in sales this season, which is really exciting. That is so amazing. Congratulations on that. Um, We love to hear that and we are so happy for you. And it truly is such a good example of how far you can come with just one idea And if you are truly passionate about it, you can achieve so much. And that's something you are a great advocate for is that you can really dream and do anything. And so before we get into all the details about your entrepreneurship journey, which we are obviously so excited about to hear, um, we also wanna focus a little bit about the corporate world for a second, just to get your perspective on it and why it wasn't for you. So we kind of know why uh, why you quit your corporate job, but um, I'm also curious as to how like you, how you managed to do it, what were your first steps or how did you find the confidence to quit it? Was there any hesitation when you were going through that transition? Absolutely. I doubted myself every single day and that's only natural when you're doing something that's outside of your comfort zone. And after working for myself for eight years, I've simply become really comfortable with the idea of discomfort, if that makes sense. Yeah. So when I first had this idea and I was still, you know, sitting at my desk, like calculating, okay, how much do I have to work freelance in order to cover my salary? Um, I made a plan. I mean, I, I run a planner company, so goal setting and writing things down and having a set plan of action has always been a habit of mine. And so the first step for me was to plan and say, okay, realistically, how long is it going to take for me to transition out? Because this wasn't an overnight decision. It actually took a year and a half for me to say, okay, I'm going to quit my job. And then for a year and a half, I planned and I also saved. Yeah. Because when you quit your job, you don't have that biweekly check coming in. You don't necessarily have, you know, residual income coming into your bank account every two weeks. That for me was the scariest thing. Everything else was fine, but letting go of the comfort and stability behind just a set income. And I knew that I wanted to do this and not have to go back ever again to corporate. And so the first step that I took was to write down a plan and come up with enough savings that could cover for, cover me for at least eight to 10 months. Cause at the time I had a mortgage, I had car payments, just like everyone else. I had to, you know, buy groceries and pay bills. So yeah. I wasn't the kind of person who was going to quit their job and then the next day just be broke and poor and and struggle through it all. So I was very careful with how long I took to transition to this and I meticulously planned and I saved. That would be my biggest piece of advice. Yeah. And that really does come full circle to your product now, the content planner, which is truly just shows how true it is to yourself. And so when you mentioned that you worked for about a year and a half in order to save, uh, what were you doing at that time in order to save up and make that money? I 
was not spending at all. Like <laughs> everything, including shopping, haircuts, going out to eat, stopped socially drinking. I essentially just stayed in and went to my job, went back home, and I really budgeted to the point where I could put a lot of money away. And I think that's a story that a lot of you know, quote unquote, successful entrepreneurs talk about is that period before you quit, like, what did you do? What kind of sacrifices did you make? So yeah, wasn't getting any haircuts, wasn't indulging in anything extra other than paying my cell phone bill, getting my mortgage paid off and staying at home, you know, watching TV or doing more work, doing more freelance projects uh, in my off hours. Yeah. And when you officially quit, is this when you um, took on being a freelance graphic designer and doing work for your own clients? Yeah, that happened in October 2012. And so when I made the decision in 2011, um, and then I planned that I saved, 2012 was when I started day one of my personal brand, which is Salty Pineapple. The content planner was not even an idea. I didn't even know that was going to happen. That didn't happen until... 2016 so as I'm sure you can tell it's once you're on this journey you still have to be very open and receptive to what's happening in your industry all the different trends like I didn't go to school for social media or Instagram or Facebook and those platforms they didn't exist really at the height that they are now and so I'm I'm self-taught you know YouTube and Google they're your best friends because one they're free And two, there's so much valuable information out there that you can really use to build a a profitable business. Yeah. And then that is just a great tool that, of course, us nowadays um, can use, especially as students, when we're trying to figure out what we want to do with our lives. Um, And it's good. We definitely should use it. And I'm glad that you are definitely a big advocate for that. Yes. I mean, I'm still using it today. (laughs) Exactly. We all use it. We use it every single day. But um, when you first started the Salty Pineapple, did you have um, any insecurities or challenge that you faced? Like, were there people that were kind of telling you, you know, what are you going to do with this? How is this going to, you know, lead you in your next career goal? Were there people that were kind of doubting you? Yes, a thousand percent there were. Because in 2012, the freelance space was not one that was as welcoming and profitable and open as it as it is now like now it's almost a standard you're hiring contractors you're you know do you're using freelancers for a small project or a big project you don't often hire full-time employees anymore but back in 2012 it wasn't a popular space for contractors or even working from home was not acceptable in a corporate space so when I first started, my parents thought I was crazy because <laughs> they're of the baby boomer oh, I um, see. population. Like population, so for them, stability, um, having an RSP, having investments, like saving all your money, and literally working until you're 60 and then retiring and then living your quote-unquote best life. That to them is the idea of success. So yeah. when I presented the the step I was going to make to them they're like yeah okay that's great like you're going to do great but I knew that deep down they're just like what is she doing yeah what is she doing <laughs> and even my friends and everyone who was in my life at that time they weren't supportive yeah like I was pretty much the only one 
who believed in myself at that point. And even now, like when you're a business owner, I think first and foremost, you have to be your own cheerleader. Of course. And everything else that happens is like the cherry on top of, of the Sunday. Yeah. And as long as you believe in yourself and you're your biggest cheerleader, then you can honestly achieve anything instead of relying on everyone around you to, you know, validate your decisions and, and cheer you on. I think it's important first and foremost for yourself to do that first. Yeah. And despite, um, you know, even though your your family and friends were supportive of you, but despite that doubt or that um, like almost fear that what if you couldn't succeed, did that, like how did you still combat your fear of failure? You know, because you, you've mentioned in um, a few interviews before that you left your nine to five because you had a fear of being comfortable, which I feel like a lot of us have, yeah. but often the fear of failure is much, much greater. So how were you able to combat that and, you know, just kind of take that dive into your journey? Yeah, that's such a great question because I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that feeling where, okay, yeah, you don't want to be comfortable, but then you don't want to fail. Like exactly. you would rather be comfortable than fail. and. To be honest with you, having a plan really empowers you to say, okay, well, if I can write down this specific goal and say, I want to secure five clients that can put me on a monthly retainer for the next three, four months mm -hmm. and make it very specific with a quantity in mind, that's what really helped me get through that first phase of, well, what if I do fail? What does failure actually mean? Does it mean that one, I'm not financially stable? Does it mean that mentally I'm not, I'm just, you know, getting overcome by fear? Like what exactly does failure mean? Because now eight years later, I fail all the time at things and I'm okay with it because I know that I'm growing. You can't honestly live your life just trying to live in this cushy bubble all the time where you're comfortable and you're complacent and you're just kind of you accept what life has given you. I'm mm -hmm. the kind of person where I want to dream big and I want to achieve things that can essentially affect people's lives. And now as the content planner, I'm able to, you know, not only build a global brand, but connect with businesswomen from around the world, yeah. which for me is my true passion. Like aside from the discomfort and the fear and the doubt, that feeling when you can, you know, get a DM from someone or get an email from one of your customers to say, hey, Kat, I used the content planner this month and I reached my financial goal where I can now, you know, provide a better life for my family. Mm -hmm. Or I've now gained financial independence because I wrote it down in your, in your planner. So yeah. that for me will always keep me motivated. And I know at the beginning too, one of my biggest fears was that I would be homeless. Like I told myself, my brain was telling me that if you quit your job, you're not going to make any money and the government's going to come take your car, <laughs> set your house, like take all your possessions. Thinking of like the and worst possible scenarios. Yeah, like it's so, it was so extreme looking back at it, but when you're in it, you just convince yourself that it's going to be your reality. Yeah. So to counteract that, I just made sure that every day I was writing down tasks and a plan and goals that really related to that bigger goal of mm. working less and traveling more and yeah. also I was never homeless like it, it really worked <laughs> out for me I thank think. goodness for that we, that's very good yeah. you know we don't want you living on the streets so we're glad that you know you haven't become homeless um but you know you're also traveling all over the world um so the world is really your home and 
Um, how has that been for you as your own boss, but also a solo traveler? I mean, you might travel with your friends or your coworkers sometimes, but for the most part, are you solo? Yeah, it really depends. I love traveling with my partner and with my family and with even people that I've connected with in the creative space or fellow female business owners or traveling for conferences and events. So the travel aspect of it and to have the the control over where I am, whenever, however, and the fact that, you know, the price isn't really an issue because whenever I'm traveling, I also know that I'm still making money. Like I'm generating an income, especially now. The internet is everywhere. Yeah, You can be at the top of a mountain, (laughs) you know, in Bali, hiking up a volcano, and you can still have data. So that has really changed within the past eight years since I quit. And travel for me is a huge motivator. Even now um, that I've been doing it for so long and having that be my first goal and having achieved it, it's opened up so many doors. And being from Toronto, I love my city. I just don't think that I fit in here. I feel like I'm meant to, you know, be on an island somewhere, looking at the ocean and and watching the sunset and hearing palm trees. And that only really happened until I quit my job. So I'm very thankful that I have the luxury of travel, that I have the privilege to travel and that I've built this life where... I can kind of pick up and go whenever I want. Mm-hmm. And so considering you're based in Toronto and you said, you know, you don't know if you fit in here, you like the island, um, which has been your favorite place to travel to that, you know, maybe would you ever consider moving there one day and being based from whichever country or city is your favorite? Yes. It's Hawaii, hands down, 1,000%. I've always wanted to go there. Ever since, <laughs> yeah, ever, you have to go. It's, it's a place I'm like, and the other that I visited. And since quitting, I mean, I've tried to go to as many beaches as possible. And Hawaii for me, aside from the beaches and its beauty, the people and the energy there, the food, the culture, yeah. how much they respect uh, the land and um, their ancestors and the history that's in those islands, you really, really feel it, especially um, like coming from a big city and then going to this kind of tropical paradise. So for me, that would be my number one place to travel as well as to live. Like as soon as I, I did my first solo trip there in 2013 and that for me was instant. I was like, yep, I want to live here. I want to buy a house. (laughs) I don't know how that's going to happen. It it is fairly expensive to live on the island, but I'm I'm working towards it now. That's so good. with, With the intention, yeah, and the goal to, you know, have a down payment or a place there and be able to, have a home here in Toronto as, as well as Hawaii. Well, I hope that works out for you. And um, while you're traveling to these places, how do you manage your business? So I know you're, you know, with an online business, you're constantly making money. And that's what you're saying is that, you know, there's not really that worry because, you know, the internet is everywhere. But do you, when you're on a trip, do you kind of set aside time or days for recreational purposes versus business purposes? Or do you kind of use your traveling as Um, like a creative inspiration to come up with like your next big idea or stuff like that yeah because I I mean obviously now during the pandemic I'm not traveling but in normal circumstances if that ever becomes a thing what I normally would do is offset the travel costs by working with brands Mm -hmm. wherever I'm traveling to so whether that's a hotel partner or 
another brand has hired me to take photos for them, yeah. um, I use that to offset some of the costs in addition to still being able to run my business remotely. Because when you have an online product, and my warehouse is actually in the United States, so things can still sell and they can still ship it out for me. Yeah. My schedule for when I'm traveling, I wake up early, I have coffee, breakfast, I try to tackle most of my work um, before I head out for the day. Mm-hmm. And then I would say between like 11 a.m. until after sunset is when I like go out, adventure, um, we'll take photos, we'll just have our vacation time there and yeah. enjoy where we're at. And then at nighttime, like we'll get back and then I'll either edit photos or tackle my inbox and continue doing work. So I kind of sandwich my day mm-hmm. with work and then fun and then work at the end of the day. And you'll find that you can do that every day if you really focus for, let's say, two hours or three hours a day. Yeah. Instead of just sitting at a computer for 10 hours a day, not really doing anything. Yeah. And then there's actually two questions that I kind of just thought of leading off from that mm-hmm. is one, how do you focus you know, for a solid two hours without any distractions. And then also after that, how do you, or how do you find it uh, connecting with people abroad at all these countries? You said you, you know, often collaborate with different hotels or different um, individuals taking their pictures or anything like that for them. What's that experience like? Yeah, so to answer your first question, headphones are really key because (laughs) when you start to work for yourself, you'll find yourself working from really, weird places like airport lounges you maybe you're at the beach working I'm just over time and just through practice I've become really good at shutting the entire world off and saying okay turn it all off and focus on the work that you have to do because within you know in two hours you want to get out of here you want to go enjoy the sunshine that you're staring at yeah so it's all about your mindset and I wish I had like an app to tell you or some sort of secret trick but it is (laughs) all in your mindset of how much you want to focus and say, okay, I want to get this done so that within these two hours of focus time, then I can just go enjoy the rest of my day. Mm-hmm. So for that, headphones work really well and creating, um, I find having the, the consistent tools that you would use at home with you while you're traveling also helps. So my laptop has, you know, been pivotal towards my success and having the same laptop, having my planner out, having my pens and headphones on, like I can, you know, copy and paste that to anywhere and still feel really, really focused. Yeah. And then to answer the second part of your question, Instagram, like it's literally just Instagram. Yeah. Because when I first started and, you know, being in Toronto, you don't have any connection or... Um, even um, like the opportunity to network with people who live, you know, an island lifestyle or who live at the beach or who are near the ocean because, you know, we're in the middle of like, central Canada. Yeah. So I and I leveraged it to build partnerships with people online first. Mm-hmm. And now, I mean, that's opened up so many opportunities so that once I do go to a beach or I'm in Bali or Australia or Maldives or Hawaii or wherever, because of my personal brand, Salty Pineapple, they now know, oh, she really loves the beach. She's great at working with um, these kinds of hotels that are in this sort of environment. So Mm -hmm. social media and Instagram has been so powerful in terms of who I've connected with. And it's like your biggest collaboration or partnership could honestly be one 
direct message away. Yeah. And I've always told myself that. Yeah. They're never going to message you ever. But if you have the power to get in front of someone through one message, then why not do it? Yeah. And I think networking and connecting with people is really important, especially when, you know, you're in post secondary, you're first into your career those connections is you know what opens up a lot of doors and a lot of opportunities for you so when you connect with people on social media do you normally um like start off by being active on their accounts and then proceeding to message afterwards i just think you know um kind of giving a nice guideline or like tips that you have for us young individuals who want to reach out to our role models and message them for um you know advice or any insight that they might have into a certain industry yeah, so what I always recommend to people, and I still practice this today, and it's something that I did back, back in 2012 when nobody knew who I was and I didn't have a huge following, is it's a process of going, it's almost like you're trying to date someone, you know? You have yeah. to kind of flirt with them a little bit. You can't <laughs> try and score a home run, like, right in the, the first few hours of your date. Yeah. So in Instagram talk, that's either liking a bunch of their photos, engaging with their content online, following them, obviously, and I wouldn't message them until they interact with you on their content. So if they respond back or if they check out one of your posts and they like it and they comment, that for me is an indication saying, oh, well, they really enjoyed this photo or what I said in this caption. I'm now gonna message them and say something like, oh, thanks so much for checking out my account. I'm actually a huge fan of your products or your brand. And I wanted to thank you for, you know, everything that you've done for your community because I'm one of, like, the members or I'm such a, you know, a big supporter of you. Yeah. And then most likely they're going to respond back because you just gave them a huge compliment and you can build a relationship from that. I find that the biggest mistake that people make with collaborations and networking is their first message is, hi, you know, company name, I would love to collab. What do you think? But that doesn't really give them anything to respond back to. Whereas if you complimented them and you literally just took specific words from the captions that they're sharing or complimented them on a new product or a new collection, that for them is like, oh yeah, this is, this sounds like a really cool opportunity and person that we should continue speaking with and engaging with mm-hmm. so that's how I would always start my um I guess my quote-unquote networking through Instagram and then to take it a step further I would make lists of all of my favorite brands and creators and lifestyle accounts and and all of the people that I thought I wanted to work with and I wrote it down on the list and I've now called that a hit list which is actually a section in the content planner so oh. your hit list is a list of accounts and people that you want to collaborate with or partner with or maybe you want to get featured by them. And like clockwork, at the beginning, I would send emails to them and I would say, hey, I designed this image for you. Um, if you'd like to share it on your social media, like feel free. So as a graphic designer, I felt really equipped to create content for them. So I would email it to them or, or direct message them with the image or with Maybe it's a blog post or maybe it's some sort of poster. Whatever it is that plays to your creative strengths. And sometimes they'd respond. Sometimes they wouldn't. Yeah. But the ones the ones who did respond, they eventually turned into, okay, well, we'd love to do an exchange for products. Mm-hmm. And then the next would be, oh, we really love that photo. 
can we pay you to take more? And they'd be like, sure, yeah, here's, you know, my fees. And even with hotels, once you get one hotel collaboration, you can then use that to leverage another one and so forth and so on. And that actually connects to um, a question that I wanted to ask as well. Um, And you had talked about, um, you posted a behind the scenes video of your Shopify launch onto your, uh, the Content Planner YouTube channel. And you mentioned that you consider yourself a creator, but you felt like right now, you know, you're at your 20% potential, not because you felt like you weren't doing enough, but because there's so much that you can do and there's so much success that you can achieve. So, you know, what um, success do you want to achieve in the future to reach your 50, 75, 100% potential um, if that has to do with, you know, making more connections and growing from there? Like, what are your plans? Yeah, I think, well, right now, that's such a great question. (laughs) Right now, I don't have set plans, but I do have a vision. And my vision for me as the, you know, the leader of my community and the founder of the content planner, I would love to be seen and respected as someone who, you know, amplifies the voices of, like, business women who don't necessarily have a voice. Mm-hmm. and representation and diversity is also very important to me like being able to be on a stage and show other women who look like me that oh wow well if she can do it then I can do it too yeah because that's not something that I ever grew up with and now being where we are especially with the social climate of everything it's really you know coming to the forefront which yeah. it's a challenge but it's also very necessary so for me, if I have a platform and I know that I can reach, you know, tens of thousands of female business owners from around the world, then I'm going to do it. And I'm going to have a voice and I'm going to try to, you know, create more space and take up as much space as I can being the person that I am and, and leveraging the, the gifts and talents that I've been blessed with. Yeah, I think that's amazing. And I definitely do see that vision in your future. So definitely keep working on that. And um, a solid plan will come after, but that's 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 in the works. Planning is your thing, so we, you know, we don't have to worry about that for you. Um, But since you just talked about that, do you want to maybe open up about any experiences that you had um, as a female, um, or maybe anything concerning your race, your upbringing, or anything that you felt that you want to share that could help inspires others like you? Like, feel free to use this platform right now to kind of start this vision of yours? Yeah, I would say that going to conferences and events back then, so this was, you know, in 2010 or around 2011, 2009, I'd go to the events and first of all, there were no women of color, let alone women. (laughs) It was mostly males and especially in the, you know, design and tech space, it was like 20 to one. And that's what really sparked it for me because I would sit in the crowd and watch these speakers, you know, show their highlight reels and talk about the big contracts that they received and basically kind of humble brag about the kind of work they've been doing. But I was never able to see someone who looked like me on that stage. And I was like, you know what? Once I get to a point where I can be there, I'm going to be there. Yeah. And I never put it on anyone else's shoulders or made it anyone else's responsibility but my own. So for the women that are listening, if you are a woman of color, if, if you are a woman, my advice would be to 
one, as I said before, you have to believe in yourself. You have to be your biggest cheerleader. And two, to launch your business, to launch your podcast, to launch your online course, to take action on your dreams because it's not anyone else's responsibility but your own to take up more space. And you yourself, especially now, have to amplify your own voices while also giving a huge megaphone to the women who don't necessarily have that ability right now. Whether you, you know, feel equipped to do that or not, but at the end of the day, as long as you can launch your own business, as long as you can take up more space, you will be, you know, creating change and, and impact for hopefully generations. Like I just think about my niece and I'm like, if she's seven now, when she's ready to enter the workforce or become an entrepreneur, whatever she wants to become. Yeah. How is she going to feel? Is she going to feel like, yeah, there have been so many cool women I can look up to now. Or like my aunt, she does such cool things and now I can do it. Mm-hmm. So that's what I always think about is, is the generation that's coming up now. Um, how can I set it up so that it's easier for, for all those you know girls and teenagers out there to be just as good as anyone else? Yeah, no, I think that's really great. And I think finding that community of you know, female entrepreneurs, female businesswomen, and just strong females in general is really important. And I know that's something that you also are really, um, you really like to focus on. I know you support a lot of female entrepreneurs as well, and you purchase from female businesses. And I think that's something that we definitely all need to focus on. And so considering we've talked about that, um, are there any other advice that you have for, or final tips or advice that you have for our audience today? Yeah, I would say my biggest piece of advice is to stay consistent. Consistency is what will guarantee your success. And I know it doesn't sound sexy, and I know it's not the easiest in the world. It's not some hack or it's not some shortcut. But from what I've learned over the past eight years of consistently planning and goal setting, is that if you want to guarantee something to happen or if you want to actually create your reality, you have to stick to your plan and you have to do it every single day. Yeah, It's not like, okay, I'm going to plan and try for a month and if it doesn't work out, I'll give up. I've literally been doing this for eight years and I don't, as I said, like I don't even think I'm at full capacity in terms of what I'm capable of yeah. and what's gotten me to this point has been consistency. This didn't happen overnight, and I recognize that, and I, moving forward, I'll always remember that. So for anyone listening, keep, keep consistent, like stay on top of your plans, and just put one foot in front of the other every single day. Thanks, Kat. That was truly some great advice. And before I end this amazing podcast episode, I also want to share a quote that Kat actually came up with herself that you may not have known, you may have seen before. Um, But yeah, Kat was actually the one who originally created this quote. And I think it's truly a really positive and inspiring little quote. It goes, be a pineapple, stand tall, wear a crown and be sweet on the inside. You heard it here first, everyone from Kat Gaskin. That concludes today's episode and make sure to go out there and be pineapples. See you on next week's episode. Bye everyone.